Hi, I'm Mark Woods here with another Page One podcast, and I have Emily Block, our education writer here. And now that school started, you can finally get back to doing some work. You had a nice, la- lazy, leisurely summer. Oh yeah, totally been <laughs> slacking off. <laughs> um, it had normally that would be, as we've told you, the downtime. <laughs> That's what I was told coming to this job. It did not prove to be true. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy busy summer for Emily. Um, which, yeah, we could devote, I think you had on a a month ago, all that's happened in the month since we could do hours on it probably. But, uh, I think we're, we'll just start with maybe just this week, what's played out the last couple of days and try and have you kind of get in, unpack some of that. Um, so Wednesday, there was a three hour meeting between the council and school board. I'm not even sure where to start, but maybe, uh, explain what was the, what played out, what was the, uh, the goal of it, and then we can kind of get into some of the highlights and some of the, the takeaways from it. Sure. So this was the second joint meeting between the city council and the Duval County School Board. And basically, it all centers around getting a referendum bill moving forward or moving anywhere, really. It's been um, stagnant since it started in about April. And basically, the goal of the school board is to get a half-cent sales tax on a special election ballot for 2019. And we don't know if that's going to happen yet. Right. Um, so, yeah, what moment I, I, I watched the live stream sitting here in the office and followed you guys were all uh, uh, posting on Twitter and live blogging. Yeah. yeah. Some um, great stuff. What, what jumped out at you from it? It was interesting to have 20 something people at the table for a change. But I feel like it was a lot of greatest hits. I feel like we were hearing a lot of rhetoric from both sides that we've heard before. Um, there have been complaints that questions that have already been answered were answered already or asked again. And I'm sure we saw some of that, but it was also just a lot of, well, how has this not been addressed already? How have we not had this clarified yet? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe let's get into what, you know, each, you had to like each council person, this was in theory their chance to raise questions that they felt hadn't been answered so maybe we can jump into things what different council person people did when they had their opportunity to speak uh, for instance um, Tommy Hizuri council member former school board member um, so he started out by calling the funding for charter schools the elephant in the room the elephant in the room so it depends on which council member is asking but charter schools were brought up a lot yesterday um and the consensus is they want to make sure that they are worked into the referendum they are worked into the cent- the half cent sales tax school board members are saying they've already been generous that they've worked them in somewhat already and that they would get um money for security improvements as well as they could ask if they need something additional for maintenance they could put in a request and city council members are saying well they want it to look different or they want more of it or at the very least some school um city council members are saying well be aware that for this to move forward, perhaps you should work this in more. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That was something that came up, it seemed like, repeatedly in different ways. Um, uh, you know, and the response, um, uh, the superintendent's response about um, 
what would go to charter schools? What did she, she came back again and again explaining what they would do? Can yes. you maybe lay out what she said? So Superintendent Diana Green has a plan that she's she stuck to this from the, pretty much the beginning. It's been this way for a few months that charter schools would get five dollars per square foot from the referendum money for safety and security enhancements. Her goal is that every single public school, including charter schools, is touched with safety and security money within the first three years, whether they're charter or traditional schools. From there, a charter school also has the opportunity to apply for additional money for maintenance purposes or something like that, but that would be a per application process. Diana Green and the school board are saying that's the fairest way to distribute the money. Charter school advocates and some city council members are saying, no, they should be getting more, and if anything, they should be getting a per-pupil basis funding. Yeah, I was going to get into that, that um, um, Rory Diamond in particular got up and um, well, I don't think he had necessarily a question. He made a statement, as often often seemed to be the case in this, and a lot of them, uh, in theory, had questions. Instead, they were making statements, and then he said, I want to have somebody from KIPP come up and talk uh, about charters. Yes. And then introduced a resolution about Correct. pure pupil. So Rory Diamond, this isn't his first time speaking in favor of charter schools and charter schools getting additional funding. He's um, been a longtime advocate for charter school funding. And his um, take is that the funding that the referendum generates for charter schools and all schools in general should be a per pupil basis, meaning that it, the money follows the student. Said um, School board members are saying that's not a fair way to distribute the money because whether a broken roof covers 10 student heads or 200 student heads, it's still a broken roof. It still has to be repaired. Right. And uh, let's see, Diana Green used the example. The one she pointed to was um, Greenleaf Pines Elementary and Waterleaf Elementary um, would each get $12 million for schoolwork. If they did a per pupil. If they did a per pupil, whereas... Greenleaf needs $13 million in work, and Waterleaf needs $1 million. Right. Um, which, to me, seems like a pretty compelling um, argument why the per-pupil would be flawed. What do the, those advocating for the per-pupil um, system, what would they say to that? You know, it went back and forth, and I don't really think anyone reached a consensus yesterday. Um it, we kept hearing, well, why not per pupil? The school board answered with the same answer, saying it's not fair. Warren Jones called it greedy. He said it has to be about the need, not greed. And that's a direct quote. Um, and yet it still kind of went back and forth to that, saying, well, this would be the most even way to distribute things. This would be the most like standard formula to distribute things. And the school board disagrees. Um, another common thing I heard uh, several brought up, well, how did we how do we get to this point? Or I've been bringing this up. And, um, and that's one thing I'm sure you've got in your inbox and I've gotten in mine from, from readers and citizens as well. Um, you know, how did we get here and why, why don't we have this money? And so maybe it's worth going back to how did, how did we get to this, um, backlog of maintenance and how, um, we don't have the funding sources that some of the other, counties in the state do have right well a big thing that the school board has brought up is that there is no impact 
tax here. There's no impact fee that can benefit um, school maintenance and capital building like that, um, whereas other counties might have that. So they're really starting from scratch. And um, explain to me what PICO is. I hear that referred to a lot. So the state funding that has, like when I watched a Clay County um, meeting, they also referred to how how that has dramatically decreased through the years, and that was something they relied on. So between that and impact fees, if you don't have these things, you don't, if I'm understanding correctly, you don't have the money for building and maintenance that you would hope. And, uh, and so everybody, all the different districts and counties are um, trying to figure out ways to you know, keep their schools up to date, correct? Right, exactly. The school board is saying that they just don't have the funding to do these capital improvements that they want to do, that um, the PICO funding compared to what it used to be is not the same and distributed across all the traditional schools. It's the same argument as Bright Futures money, lottery money. Well, why can't that be put toward capital improvement? Well, number one, there isn't enough. And number two, there are constraints on how that money can be spent. Yeah. And I will say those that said that this is why is this hasn't this been brought up before it it has been brought up before. I remember um, previous superintendent Dr. Vitti saying this is this is X amount of dollars and it was a big number then and it's only going to get bigger and exactly. and something needs to change. We need to, he brought up the idea then of a, of a sales tax or he brought up a variety. We need these we need new funding and these are three different options i think at the time he laid out so this is this is not a new issue it's it's the probably the farthest it's moved along it's not a new issue but it's a growing issue where at least that's what the school board is saying saying that there's already a 243 million dollar backlog in maintenance funding and that's going to continue to grow and that gap is going to get larger the longer it takes to put a referendum on the ballot um, let's see, something else that council members brought up was the questions about timeline for the the work. I think uh, was that um, Leanna, Leanna Cumber and others um, said, you know, I want to see a timeline. Yes. Leanna Cumber yesterday said that logically it would make sense to see a list of priority building from top to bottom, that she wants to know when everything's going to be built out and what the years are and what that timeline is. And the school board is saying, they've kind of changed their answer a little bit over time on this at first they said yes we'll get you a priority list in a few months now they're saying we can work on a priority list but we need to know that we're getting funding before we can even start asking and putting the ball in motion for some of these things yeah um you you touched on it yeah the warren jones that was kind of an interesting moment when he talked about um um addressing what he called uh, long overlooked racial overtones and and which i think clearly is uh, our city has that history um, of neglected areas and a lot of the older buildings they certainly aren't all in the northwest area but a lot of them are well a lot of it is the fact that desegregation took so long in jacksonville and duval county that there weren't these neighboring schools so close to each other built the same from the beginning that eventually there was too many schools in one place just because they had right. eventually desegregated and some had fallen into shambles as far as maintenance is concerned. Right, yeah. And to, I mean, to, I guess the prime example is to have Rains and Rebolt, two high schools, I think they're literally maybe a mile apart. They're like a mile or less, yes. Yeah, and that obviously goes back to, yeah, uh, segregation, desegregation. 
Um, let's see, what else was there? Anything else that jumped out at you? Well, Matt, did you mention if we got into Matt Carlucci? We haven't. Matt Carlucci um, raised an idea of a resolution. Yes, Matt Carlucci is a longtime supporter of this referendum and of getting it on a 2019 ballot, even though he knows he's in the minority of council members for that push. But he's um, said he's gone as far as to, number one, create a resolution or say that he will create a resolution for um, making sure that there's a... 2019 ballot making sure that there's an impact fee role discussion and number two he wants to be on a committee to look at um an impact fees role in all of this Hmm. and then there's just kind of the the the, a lot of these things you said are not new but they were it was interesting to hear him play out just in the comments was kind of the idea of 2019 versus 2020 um and just based on the comments, as you and David Bowerline wrote, the it, council majority does not back 2019. No, that, that it does not seem that way right now. Right. And um, several council members flat out said the target date should be November 2020. Um, I think there was a quote you had from Tommy Desuri. We're, we're going to do it right and we'll do it for 2020. Correct. That's what he said. Um, but then there were others who, there are some who believe we should. You mentioned um, yes, especially Matt Carlucci. But then it's a question of if it'll even happen at all. If right. it will even get there, and I think a lot of that will play out in the next coming weeks, next week, and the following week. Right. Yeah. Maybe we get into what's next, but also what played out in in this week. Right. The day before <laughs> the uh, meeting, um, we had the uh, general counsel's uh, Jason Gabriel's ruling on whether the city council gets to have the say or whether school board gets to decide. Yes, a long time part of this narrative has been if the school board can even put this on the ballot or not and how much oversight city council should or can have of it or, you know, shall. I was going to say should. That's pretty close to shall. (laughs) But um, (laughs) as of August 13th, which was Tuesday, general counsel Jason Gabriel released an official legally binding opinion saying that the city council has discretion over if that ballot or if um, that referendum can be put on the ballot or not. Um, The school board disagrees. They say that it's unprecedented and it hasn't happened that way elsewhere. And they're fighting it to an extent. They sought general or outside counsel, even though general counsel told them that they couldn't, they sought it anyway. And their advisors are telling them that this is unprecedented and that's not the case. But here we are again, kind of in limbo, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's the whole uh, shell, which was interesting that the ruling included um, the Bible and, and David yeah. and Goliath, which I didn't see that one. This, this whole saga seems to I, uh, constantly I didn't see that have coming. new. No, <laughs> did not see that that reference. Uh, um, so, how did he get into David and Goliath so, in a ruling on shall in our our statutes? In a in an attempt to explain the meaning of shall in layperson's terms, um, Gabriel said that uh, he used two sentences as an example. He said David shall place the slingshot on the table versus the slingshot shall be placed on the table by David. And he says that those have two different meanings and that it all comes down to syntax of the word and that shall actually means may and I won't even tell you some of the opinions I'm hearing about that. <laughs> I mean, uh, some people are telling me that that it 
doesn't work that way and that it's just the same word being used in passive and active voice and shall means shall and other people are saying yeah that totally makes sense um so now we're gonna have to get grammarians involved yeah (laughs) i guess i don't know who do we call now an english major but um lori hershey i think put it best and she said you know in this scenario david only needed one stone so yeah that was a we'll see what happens you ended one of your stories with that quote which yeah um so yes, and you mentioned the uh, kind of the outside counsel, which is kind of this, um, it's quite the high profile mix, uh, W.C. Gentry, Hank Cox, and Scott Cairns. Um, yeah, I mean, that's some heavy hitters. Um, so I'm sure, and yes, the mayor went on Twitter after that that news and um, said, uh, uh, called them liberal, liberal lawyers and said something like, do your homework, check out this crew, which... Um, he did. Which people did quickly do their homework and check out the crew. And I don't think most attorneys I know in town would consider W.C. Gentry to be... Liberal, not necessarily. Number one. Number two, he's on the Charter Review Commission, so it's just kind of interesting. Right. That. And But beyond that, this is, these are three, um, even if people disagree with maybe their politics on certain things, uh, three well-respected attorneys. Absolutely. So, yeah, for the the mayor kind of be firing shots at them. Um, that's another interesting twist in this whole saga. There are always interesting twists in Duval, is what I've learned very <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, so where you, know, you set up that meeting, this ruling, um, nothing really concrete came out of it. In fact, I think you said um, uh, part of the story was based on the comments from city council members. No consensus exists about what changes the council wants to see in uh, the proposal for how charter schools would receive sales tax dollars. So there's still a lot of it, it by no means like, oh, okay, we can see clearly where this is headed. No, there was no, oh, well, that answers everything. Thank you. We, we have no more questions. There, there was no moment of enlightenment yesterday there were some people accepting answers or questions or saying oh that's actually a question here we haven't really talked about that or oh thank you for that answer let's move on but there was no sense of overall clarity like everything has changed and the skies opened and, and this no. moved this moved the progress um dramatically no a forward. lot of people said they didn't feel like the needle moved very forward yesterday but at least it moved a little yeah cheryl cheryl grimes uh school board member near the end said i i don't i'm paraphrasing i guess I, i'd like to say that this had been productive and we accomplished a lot but i don't think but it, i can't yeah and and that I, I wish she would just let us do our job was in essence what she said yes and um and i you know you don't get the i get to have commentary and that was kind of when i watched it playing out was it, it didn't inspire a lot of confidence in me and in, in the city council moving this forward and I felt like I don't I don't want them running our school district so I know that's that's just me right um, absolutely so um, but yeah where does it where does it go from here so next week there are committee votes and we'll see if or a committee meetings and we'll see if it moves forward at all the last time I was in committee it was deferred um, and then after that they're hoping both city council and school board because i'm sure they're both done with this by now um mentally done with it they're hoping for a full council vote on august 27th at the next city council meeting and seeing what happens from there right right and we've got things playing out in clay county um with with their decision on their their 
also trying to get We're a... We're waiting on a ruling from the courts there on um, the level of city council oversight right. for the school board there as well. So one could potentially play into the other and especially since we're waiting on that this week in theory it'll be settled by the city council meeting and maybe give some added context right and meanwhile kids are back at school my daughter's back at (laughs) at senior year school and they're plugging away doing what they do and teachers are and um so um yeah it'll be interesting to see what plays out during the school year i think so too (laughs) Well, thanks for all your, you've had great coverage. You've been all over this on top of it, working working very hard. Um, so good stuff. Thank and you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So everybody pay attention both on jacksonvolk.com, follow her on Twitter, mdrums, emdrums, and um, look in the old printed product of the Florida Times Union. Yeah. So, and if you need help following along, we have an interactive timeline on everything referendum related that we're continuing to update. Yeah. I should have mentioned that was really good because there so much has played out. It was kind of so fun. Quickly, like, yeah. yeah, it was kind of fun. To, oh, yeah, this happened and this happened. I think the crazy part when you look at that timeline is just how much of it overlaps on top of each other. Like so many things are happening within the same day, within the same week that it's a lot to wrap a person's mind around. Yeah. No kidding. Well, thanks, Emily. Thank you. All right.